We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show, the Best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, February the 25th, 2021. Today's show, the best rivalry in all of college baseball, takes center stage this weekend as the Gamecocks take on the Clemson Tigers in a best-of-three series Friday in Clemson, Saturday in Greenville, and Sunday in Columbia. On today's show, I'll break it all down, guys. First things first, we'll talk about Clemson. Break down the Tigers, their pitching, their hitting, everything you need to know about this Clemson baseball team. And of course, we'll talk Gamecocks, what to watch for in the series, key player of the weekend. I'll give my prediction much, much more as the best rivalry in college baseball takes center stage this week. And also, I'll talk about the Gamecocks men's basketball team. Their tough times continue at Humphrey Coliseum against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Also, news and notes to get into your listener questions. And guys, what better way to bring in rivalry weekend on the baseball side of things? We have a fantastic conversation with the Clemson killer himself, former Gamecocks lifting the pitcher and two-time national champion, Michael Roth. I sat down with Michael. We talked about his times in the Carolina-Clemson rivalry, winning back-to-back national titles, pitching in a third consecutive title appearance in 2012. Guys, a packed conversation, a great show here on a Thursday. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website. That's UpstateMoversGroup.com. That's UpstateMoversGroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
gentlemen, boys and girls, it is finally here. South Carolina, Clemson, Omaha, the history, the tradition, the passion, the energy, and simply put, the best rivalry in all of college baseball. It's here, folks. Hey, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always, guys. And as you can tell, I got a little extra juice. I got a little extra amp. I got a little extra pep in my step, folks. And that's because the rivalry series is here beginning tomorrow. Gamecocks taking on the Clemson Tigers in a best of three series, the annual rivalry series that takes the center stage of the college baseball world yet again. And we're breaking it all down here on this show. Also, guys, of course, talking Gamecocks basketball in their game last night. We got a ton to get into and a great conversation like I said what better way to bring in rivalry weekend than with the Clemson killer himself Michael Roth a guy who terrorized the Clemson Tigers during his time in Columbia and arguably the greatest Gamecock baseball player of all time guys again it's great to talk with you I'm fired up I'm fired up here on a Thursday guys hope you're all doing well whether you're in the office on the commute whatever it might be hey maybe you're a student at USC and you got the day off I don't even remember why South Carolina has the day off today but no classes on campus for South Carolina. I know the women's basketball team has a game today at one o'clock, which is again obviously for a Thursday afternoon. It's kind of, kind of a kind of kind of a different start time, if you will. But again, with no classes, everyone off. I guess they decided to move it up. But anyways, hope you guys are having a fantastic Thursday. We got a lot to dive into, a lot of exciting things going on. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into it. We're gonna start on the baseball side of things because, like I said, guys, of course, this weekend the best rivalry in all of college baseball return to South Carolina takes on the Clemson Tigers this weekend, Friday, tomorrow, the game will be at Clemson Saturday in Greenville at floor field and Sunday, the finale in Columbia at founders park. Of course, Clemson hailing from the ACC, their head coach, Monty Lee, which I'm sure a lot of you very familiar with coach Monty Lee. He was at South Carolina previously in a stint under Ray Tanner. He is the head coach of the Clemson Tigers 2020 Clemson went 14 and three overall three and zero in the ACC. And that record includes a series win of the Gamecocks. Clemson won two of three, as you remember, in the rubber match at, in on Sunday at Clemson. I was at all three. A really tough game in that Sunday game, but overall a really hard-fought series and really just what you come to expect from South Carolina Clemson on a year-in, year-out basis. Clemson, though, without the national hype this year, unranked in the preseason, picked to finish sixth in the Atlantic Division, guys sixth in their own division however by d1baseball.com they were projected to be a postseason team a regional team this year again per d1baseball.com this season so far the Tigers are 3-0 and they swept the Cincinnati Bearcats to start the 2021 season the final scores in that one five to nothing five to two and then Clemson won the Sunday finale eight to seven in 10 innings on a walk-off. So, again, a, a successful opening weekend for Clemson. Let's dive deeper into the Tigers. Everything you need to know about Clemson baseball going into this weekend. Let's start on the mound, the pitching side of things, because I think that's one of the biggest storylines for Clemson coming in this season. They lost a lot. It's a lot of inexperience on the mound for Clemson. They lost Sam Weatherly, who you remember, guys, last year had a one-hitter against the Gamecocks, or really threw a no-hitter. Um, Gamecocks on that Friday night were almost blanked until Brady Allen on Friday hit a solo shot in the ninth inning. Uh, Gamecocks damn near got no-hit at home. Uh, so Sam Weatherly, he is gone. Spencer Strider, another big-time draft guy who threw on Sunday for Clemson. So both guys that won, both guys that beat the Gamecocks last year are no longer on campus 
for the Tigers. Also lost their closer, Carson Spears. So, again, the question marks surrounding this Clemson team all come back to the mound. They all come back to the pitching side of things. So far, though, a 1.93 team ERA. And, again, two of their three weekend starters right now are true freshmen. And, and that's the big question you have. Again, with this, with, this, uh, with this series being so early in the season now, you know, normally – these teams both get two or three weekends under the belt before they have to take on the rivalry series. But now the second weekend of the season, again, yeah, sure. Both teams have played a series, Dayton and Cincinnati respectively, but the competition takes a bump up this week. And there's no question. The intensity of course takes a bump up. And now two of your three weekend starters are true freshmen. They are true freshmen. So we'll see how that factors in. The starting rotation of the Tigers coming in the weekend projected to be Friday, of course, right in a pitcher, Davis Sharp, 1-0 with a 0 ERA. You guys remember Sharp last year actually started the Saturday game against Thomas Farr, which is very interesting because we're going to see a rematch of that tomorrow night at Doug Kingsmore. Davis Sharp against Thomas Farr, but Sharp, one of the best two-way guys in the country, one of the best college baseball players, I'd say, a first-team preseason All-American by D1 Baseball and somebody that Clemson expects to get a lot out of this season. The Saturday guy, right-handed pitcher, Ty Olinchuk, 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Threw pretty well last week for Clemson. And the thing about Olinchuk is this, guys. He's actually a local kid from Irmo, South Carolina, the 6'1", 205-pound freshman right-hander. Um, Haley, again, from Irmo, South Carolina, so right down the road. And then on Sunday, right-handed pitcher Caden Grice, 0-0 with a 9 ERA. And here's the interesting thing for this one, guys. Caden Grice got the start last Sunday for Clemson, but only threw two innings, three hits, two runs, two earned, three walks, and two strikeouts. Did not get the decision in that one. Uh, the guy came in relief, Rasesh Pandaya, two and a third innings pitch, one hit, three runs, zero earned. So the question I have is this, will it be Grice? Because again, this is just projecting, and I'm sure we'll find out sometime later today. I think the projected, uh, the uh, the probable pitching matchups, if you will, will be released officially by both schools. But is Caden Grice going to be that guy? And again, Caden Grice is a guy that Clemson is really, really, really high on. Six foot six, 240-pound freshman lefty out of Greer, South Carolina. Again, the sky's the limit, I think, for a guy like that. But again, a greenhorn, a true freshman, a guy, two guys, two of the three in this weekend rotation that have never pitched in this rival and their first time pitching in college baseball was last weekend. So what type of impact will that have on the series? Again, let's move to the hitting side of things for Clemson. They return their entire lineup from 2020. Again, we talked about the pitching side of things, but now the inexperience, the question marks, the hitting side of things is where Clemson's going to make their money this year. I will say one big factor here. Kier Meredith being hurt. And the reason I bring that up, because again, a lot of fans might say, oh, Kier Meredith, not that big of a deal. This guy torched, I mean, torched South Carolina last year. Was actually actually off to an incredible start for the Tigers. But I think in that series, he had like 450 in that series. So again, Kier Meredith being out, how does that affect the Clemson lineup? But again, a lot of talent, a lot of veteran experience returning for Clemson. Let's talk about a few players to watch for in that Clemson lineup. And you got to start... At the top of the stat sheet, outfielder Bryce Teodosio. Teodosio hitting 455 right now, one RBI guy who had a pretty solid series against the Gamecocks last season. You also look at a guy, shortstop James Parker, and it's very interesting. Clemson has Parker 
as their cleanup man, the shortstop as the cleanup man. You don't see that a lot. Again, right now, though, hitting 455 also, one home run, three RBIs. And then the catcher, Jonathan French, a redshirt freshman, 333 average, two home runs, five RBIs, somebody that Monty Lee and this this crew feels really, really good about behind the plate for the Tigers. Again, Clemson right now hitting 293 as a team, uh, had four home runs and 18 RBIs on the weekend in that opening sweep, opening weekend sweep, I should say, over the Cincinnati Bearcats. You take a look at the South Carolina side of things. Of course, the same rotation. Right-handed pitcher Thomas Farr will take the bump on Friday. Right-handed pitcher Brandon Jordan on Saturday. And then left-handed pitcher Julian Bosnick on Sunday. Now, let's dive into the meat of things, the top storylines, what to be watching for this weekend when the Gamecocks take on the Tigers. And the first thing is this, something that really has nothing to do with either Carolina or Clemson, the weather. What is the weather going to be like for tomorrow's game in Clemson? I know a lot of people have asked, Chris, what's going on? Are they going to move it back? Are they going to move the games up? You know, some people thought maybe they'd play that Friday game on Thursday. I can tell you this. They're going to do, I think, everything in their power to get that game in on Friday. Right now, the projected forecast, high of 50, low of 41. But here's the kicker, a 90% chance of rain on Friday. Now, the one thing I could see happening if they do not get it in on Friday, which again, they don't figure to because of a 90% chance of rain. Saturday in Clemson, the highest 64 with just a 20% chance of rain. You take a look at Greenville, you take a look at Columbia, the weather forecast fits if they want to move this series back a day and go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they could make that work. Now, again, that that throws a, a wrench into things with South Carolina having a Tuesday midweek at Winthrop. But again, for the best rivalry in college baseball and for this rivalry series, I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think that's something if they have to do it, they're going to hesitate. So again, if you can't get it Friday, they're going to have to make an adjustment. And again, with the weather looking like what it is again, Friday, high of 50, 90% chance of rain. And hey, wind 10 to 11 miles an hour, it might make sense to move this rivalry series back a day. But again, I'm sure that's something we're going to be finding out and keeping up with and and uh, probably something we're going to find out Friday. Probably something, because again, like I said, I really believe they're going to try their damnedest to get that game in on Friday. But again, if the weather doesn't allow it, what they do, again, I would expect them to move it back a day, go Saturday at Clemson, Sunday in Greenville, and then Monday in Columbia. Again, would be weird. It would be strange, but you do what you got to do in these situations. So again, weather, definitely something to keep an eye on as we roll into the weekend. Something else big to watch for that I think is really interesting. And I think this storyline really falls more to like the fan side of things. I think this more so concerns the fans than it does the teams or the coaches or the players or anything like that. But, you know, we talk about bragging rights every single year, right? When these two teams meet, of course, in any sport, bragging rights are on the line. But, it feels like it's like bragging rights on steroids this year due to the fact that these two teams, these two programs, were unable to meet in football, men's basketball, or women's basketball. So for the basically the last calendar year, this series holds all the weight. This series is carrying the pressure from football, from basketball. And again, I don't think this is necessarily a storyline you know, in regards to the locker rooms or, or the teams or the coaches or anything like that. I mean, I'd hope that's not something they're thinking about, really. I don't think that's a storyline for them on the field. 
but from the fan side of things. We all know how important it is to beat Clemson and vice versa on the Clemson side of things, how important it is to beat South Carolina. But again, when you factor in, there hasn't been a football game. There wasn't a men's basketball game. There wasn't a women's basketball game. Baseball is carrying the load right now when it comes to the rivalry. So the even bigger bragging rights are on the line for this one. I think that's a really interesting tidbit and a really interesting piece in this series that, uh, you know, the, the pressure is there. And again, I think it falls more on the fan side of things. The pressure is always there in this rivalry series. The bragging rights are always on the line in this rivalry series. It's what makes this series so great. And again, in my opinion, makes it the best in all of college baseball. But when you factor in, like I said, there's been no football, there's been no basketball. I think the 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 intensity, I, I think the intensity among both amongst both fan bases the notches are going to be turned up just a little bit more than normal, which is kind of scary to think because it's already intense. It's already crazy. People already get heated. But I think that's a real thing this weekend as both fan bases are clamoring to take out the other when these two teams meet this weekend. Another thing to watch for in regards to the Clemson side of things, and listen, as Gamecock fans, we all know the insane start that Wes Clark is off to, hitting 769, folks. 769 to start this season. Six home runs already on the year. This guy is hitting everything. I mean, it looks like a beach ball to him. The question is this. Does Clemson dare pitch to Wes Clark this weekend? And I'll say this, because, again, that's the question a lot of fans are asking me. Here's what I tend to think. I think if it's like a bases empty situation, Um, I think they will pitch to him. Now, granted, what do I mean when I say they'll pitch to him? Are they going to serve up fastballs? I highly doubt it. I think if you're Clemson and you let Wes Clark beat you, you're an idiot, and Monty Lee should honestly be fired. I think you're going to see a Clemson pitching staff that's going to pitch around him. Um, They're not going to give him anything good to hit. He's going to see a lot of breaking balls. He's going to be seeing a steady diet of breaking balls all weekend long. But the thing you feel good about is you got other guys that can beat him. You got other guys in the Gamecocks lineup that can take a yard, that can beat you. But again, Wes Clark, with, with his with his insanely hot start, can he carry it over into this weekend? Can he be a hero of the Carolina-Clemson series? And again, how does Clemson attack Wes Clark? Like, like, do they dare pitch to this guy? Do they dare pitch to him in pressure situations, maybe second and third with two outs or, or a bases loaded? One Like, do what, what is their plan of attack? And is there a plan of attack? Can anybody... Get this guy out. Can anybody get this guy out right now? I'm not sure they can. Again, that battle between Wes Clark and the Clemson pitching staff is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, another big thing I'm watching for, guys, and again, I, th- I think it's a it's a smaller storyline, but I think a very interesting storyline in regards to this series. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about Davis Sharp and uh, him returning for Clemson and, of course, Thomas Farr, the Friday starter. You guys might not remember but it was Thomas Farr against Davis Sharp on Saturday of last season in the game in Greenville. And that was actually Thomas Farr's first start of the 2020 season. If you guys don't remember, he started in the bullpen. Brett Carey was in the weekend rotation. Those two guys switched, and all of a sudden, you had Farr versus Sharp on that Saturday game. Of course, South Carolina got the best of Sharp and won that game in Greenville. How does part two go now? Because, again, South Carolina had some success on Davis Sharp. Oh, by the way, Wes Clark hit a bomb off of him. So that'll be an interesting matchup, how Sharp attacks Clark. 
But Thomas Farr, again, I've talked about all preseason, the best Friday night guy you've never heard of. The stuff is there. I loved it. Looked really sharp in his first game uh, against Dayton. Guys, this is going to be a legitimate big-time matchup. This is a big-time Friday night, big-time game. Whenever the two guys go against each other, whether that's Friday night, whether it's Saturday, whatever it may be, Far versus Sharp part two, though. Again, two high-quality arms. Again, I would side with Far stuff over Sharps. But again, Sharp, one of the best players in college baseball, especially being a two-way and, again, a preseason All-American by D1Baseball.com. Seeing those two, those two dudes go at it, seeing those two dudes battle again, just like they did a season ago, going to be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of that matchup, and another big thing I'm watching for, and again, I think a key in this series, guys, I I talked about this a little bit earlier this week. If I was on the Clemson side of things, which thank God I'm not, but if I was on the Clemson side of things, you know, I I feel like people can state the obvious when they say, oh, you got to win on Friday night. It's so big to win on Friday night and set the tone. And we all get that. But I think especially in this series, like I said, with Clemson, they're going to be rolling out their two true freshmen on Saturday and Sunday against a Gamecocks lineup that is scorching everyone they face. I mean, this is not some lineup that's struggling for South Carolina, hitting 359 coming into this weekend. The importance of winning the Friday night game in this weekend series, again, I feel really good coming to this weekend as a Gamecock. I feel good about this series for South Carolina. On the Clemson side of things, you have to think to yourself, we got to win with our best guy Friday night because you're really going to put yourself behind the eight ball as a team. If you lose Friday, South Carolina goes up 1-0, and now you're depending on two true freshmen to dig you out of that hole. And again, Clemson's obviously very confident in those guys. They're very confident in Olin, Chuck, and Grice, and they feel like those guys can give them a lot of quality innings. And those guys may turn out to be really high-quality arms for Clemson. But again, they are true freshmen. And this is South Carolina Clemson, and this is only the second weekend their second ever appearances in college baseball. The importance of the Friday night game to me, especially in this series this year, I think it is of the utmost importance if you're on the Clemson side to win the series. And again, back to the Gamecock side. If you can take care of business on Friday against their best guy in their building, I I think you're going to set yourself up extremely well to it at minimum win this series. I I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to put a jinx out there and I, I don't want to, um, you know, say anything's impossible or nothing crazy can happen, but it, I would I would be very shocked if South kind of wins the Friday night game and loses the series. I'd be extremely shocked. I love the matchups over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. I think they're very favorable, favorable for this lineup and favorable for this team. And again, the importance of winning that Friday night game getting a quality start out of your guy, Thomas Farr, setting the tone, beating their best guy, a guy, again, who you beat last year, and getting the win on the road at their place. Again, hey, the last time you won this series, 2019, what did you do? You won the Friday night game. It's so pivotal. It's so crucial. It's so important. Again, if Farr can go out there and beat their best guy, you feel really, really good about your chances uh, over the weekend, like I said, at minimum, win this series two out of three. Or, hey, maybe even sweep. Who knows? Um Talking about this Gamecocks lineup, and again, I I mentioned a lot the Clemson starting rotation. I think something to watch for for sure is just how do those Saturday and Sunday guys combat a USC lineup? Can South Carolina hitters punish these freshman Clemson starters? Again, 
you know, you got two guys that they feel very capable about. Clemson feels very, very good about these guys. They feel like they're very capable, feel like they can be really high-quality arms for them. But South Carolina ain't Cincinnati, bro. This Gamecocks lineup is dangerous. It's filthy. Like we've talked about, one through seven can take a yard. One through seven. Hey, almost one through nine. Really, all these guys can take a yard. It's filled with a lineup full of guys with great approaches, really strong, disciplined kids, again, that can do a lot of different things well. How do Clemson's young green starters handle a Gamecocks lineup right now? Like I said, guys, hitting 359 to the first four games and has 14 home runs, 14 bombs through four games. Can South Carolina carry that over this weekend and punish those Clemson freshmen? on Saturday and Sunday. On that note, again, moving in this series, something else to watch for on both sides, by the way, is the bump up in competition. And listen, I hear it a lot from fans, and I see it a lot from fans saying, oh, Chris, you know, we'll we'll see what happens when we actually play somebody. You know, I, who, who knows what will happen? I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know whether I should believe in them or not. You know, we haven't played anybody. And listen, if you have that mindset, that's totally fine. That, that's your opinion. You can do that. I totally understand it, right? I, I get it. I believe stuff is stuff. I believe we've seen the pieces come together over the first four games. But you make a great point. Dayton is not Clemson, and Cincinnati is not South Carolina. Everything is going to get better this weekend. The lineups you face are better. The arms are better. The stuff is better. The atmospheres are better. It's more intense. There's more pressure. Overall, everything gets heightened. Everything gets increased. Who handles that bump up in competition better? Who is ready to make that jump? Hey, which team's young guys? are ready to handle the moment and make that jump and embrace the moment. Going to be a big thing to watch out for. Again, another thing to watch for for me, the Clemson lineup depth. We've talked a lot about that, but the South kind of pitching depth. I think that's one hell of a matchup. The USC pitching depth against the Clemson lineup depth. Who wins that battle? Again, that's the strength of this Clemson team. Is their lineup scoring runs, having some veteran guys there, guys that can do some damage. But South Carolina, guys, I talked about it all preseason long, and I feel so good about it. I feel so good about this pitching staff. And you've seen it. I mean, look at the Tuesday game against Winthrop. You're out there throwing true freshman guys, guys like Parker Coyne, Cam Tringali, CJ Wines. You got seven or eight guys have not even touched the mound yet that are extremely capable. And again, outside your starting rotation, you've got guys like Will Sanders, who we saw on Tuesday, Mag Cotto, Jack Mahoney, Danny Lloyd, Brett Carey, uh, John Gilreath, you know, uh, Josiah Seitler can go out there and throw you some good innings. Uh, the names just keep going on and on and on. And these are not scrubs, guys. These are guys with really, really good stuff. Again, it's some youngsters. Like we said, the bump up in competition and these moments, who handles it better? But again, that South kind of pitching depth and that bullpen. In a series like this, of course, you know it's going to come down to the last three innings every single night, basically. Who wins that battle? Can South Carolina's pitching depth show its true colors? Can South Carolina's pitching depth shine this weekend against a really talented and really deep Clemson lineup? Again, guys, like I said, it comes down to the little moments. And one of the things I'll be watching for, arguably keeping my eye on it the most, is who handles the little moments the best? Who handles the pressure? Because again, this series normally, it comes down to 
four or five moments, five or six moments, whatever it is, of guys being in position to make plays or guys having opportunities and one side makes the play and one side does not. Because again, both teams are talented. Both teams take great pride in their baseball programs and their baseball tradition, their baseball history. Both teams and both programs care very, very much about this series and what it means. And with that being said, the intensity is there all weekend. But it's going to come down to a culmination of moments that separates the winner from the loser and who takes advantage of certain situations. You know, who capitalizes on mistakes? Who capitalizes on those moments the best? Again, I think you're going to look back on Sunday afternoon once the dust has settled, and either South Carolina is going to have won the series, or I'm going to say it was that moment, that moment, that moment, and that moment the Gamecocks capitalized and took it and took the series. They took it. That It was there. The door was cracked. They kicked it open. Or they're going to lose the series, and we're going to say, damn, it was those, 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 and those missed opportunities that cost us. That's what it comes down to. Again, in sport, but certainly in this series, when, again, the intensity, the energy, the passion, the emotion is so high, that's what it comes down to is those little moments, those intense moments where you find out what you're really made of. And again, especially when you get those young guys in those moments. But again, it goes across the board for everyone. Can you take advantage of the other team's mistakes? Can you capitalize when you have the opportunity? Who handles the little moments the best? And again, guys, finally, the final thing that I am watching for is simply this. You know, last year after losing college baseball, yes, we did get the Carolina-Clemson rivalry series in, but losing college baseball and losing sports for months and the disappointment we've had in football and men's basketball and all the other men's sports. Guys, what I'm watching for and, and what I'm really just taking in this weekend, guys, we get to sit back and watch the best rivalry in all of college baseball and how sweet it is. And, and I don't take that for granted. I hope you all don't take that for granted. Again, we are so lucky. We are so lucky as fans of this great sport and fans of this great institution that is the University of South Carolina that we get to sit back and, and watch a series like this with the passion, the energy, the emotion, the history, all of that. The stakes all rolled up into one. The fact we get to partake in that and take that all in this weekend, folks, enjoy it. No matter what happens, enjoy it. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the banter. Enjoy the back and forth. And enjoy watching the Gamecocks hopefully take this series from the Clemson Tigers. All right, let's move into our key player for the weekend, guys, the Gamecocks. And for me, like I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, and I don't want to put too much emphasis on Friday in the sense that, you know, oh, my God, if you lose that when the series is over, because that's certainly not the case. Heck, we've seen Sal kind of win the Friday night game and lose the series. But for me, guys, I just really think with Clemson's lack of pitching depth and having two of their three weekend starters be greenhorns and be true freshmen, if you can beat Davis Sharp on Friday, and especially at their house, you're going to put Clemson in a very, very, very tough situation. You are going to set yourself up very nicely. So my key player for this week in the Gamecocks 
is right-handed pitcher Thomas Farr. Again, Thomas Farr getting the start last year on Saturday, and that's all great and Danny, he pitched pretty well, but we all know it's different pitching on Friday night. It's different pitching on Friday night in the SEC, and it's certainly different pitching on Friday night in this series. You need the best version of Thomas Farr. 95 to 96, sometimes bumping 97 with a fastball, electric breaking stuff, a plus changeup, and a dude who is an absolute bulldog and competitor. Again, I think you'll get that out of him. But that, to me, is the key player this weekend. Because, again, guys, again, I, I don't want to be a jinx. I, I, I don't want to, you know, be anything of the sort. But if you can win that Friday night game and you can take out Davis Sharp and, and you can grab the momentum early, again, especially winning at their place. Guys, I'll tell you, I was there in 2019 when the Gamecocks stole that Friday night game and then won the series. But winning there, there is nothing sweeter. There is nothing like it taking that game on the road. And it sets you up for success in such a way. And again, when you compare the pitching staffs, you look at South Carolina's starting rotation and you look at Clemson's starting rotation, I, I would say the Gamecocks have the advantage in two of three of the games and Friday's a tie. And if you can win that tie on Friday, going into that Saturday and Sunday and you feel like you've got the upper hand with your starting, starting pitchers, you got to feel really good about where you are. You got to feel really good about your chances to win the overall series. All right, let's move to my prediction, guys. Let's get straight to it. Prediction for the South Carolina Clemson baseball series. What's going to happen this weekend? You guys might remember last year. I looked pretty stupid last year when I talked about Carolina Clemson. I think I said last year that South Carolina wouldn't allow more than five runs all weekend because Clemson came into the series. They were struggling at the plate. And South Carolina had Carmen Majinski. They had Thomas Farr. They had Brandon Jordan. And I felt really good about it. And again, Clemson exploded on Friday. South Carolina battled back on Saturday, won the game. And of course, Sunday in a really tough game, Clemson took the series. That was last year. This is this year. But I look back and of course, I laugh at it. And I look back at the last couple of years. And, and again, this series has been very back and forth, very intense, very tough on both sides. But when I look at this series this year, guys, again, I feel really good. Just focusing on the South Carolina side of things, I, I feel really, really good about this Gamecocks baseball team. Yes, it has come against Dayton, and it has come against Winthrop. But stuff is stuff, and great hitters are great hitters. Certainly, there's going to be a bump up in competition. No doubt. No doubt there is. There's going to be a bump up in competition. But I feel, again, you, led by Wes Clark. You go down this lineup, though, guys. Brady Allen at the top. Braylon Wimmer. Wes Clark. David Mendham's getting it going. Andrew Eister's tearing the cover off of the baseball. You look at a guy like Brennan Malone, who I think will get it going. Colin Burgess has been swinging it well. George Khalil, I think, is coming around. You got to feel really, really good about this lineup. And then Jeff Heinrich, who I'm forgetting, who I think is Mr. Clutch in his own right. I think one through nine, this lineup can beat you. And again, I love South Carolina's pitching depth. I think the starting rotation, like I said, that Friday night matchup between Far and Sharp, going to be one for the ages. But Saturday and Sunday, again, two talented guys and Olin, Chuck, and Grice, no question. But I will take Brandon Jordan and Julian Bosnick over those two guys any day of the week. 
No questions asked. And then we look at the bullpen. I think Clemson has a ton of questions in their bullpen and in their pitching staff as a whole. Meanwhile, the Gamecocks have arms on arms on arms on arms on arms. It's stupid how many arms South Carolina has. It's crazy how many guys this Gamecocks team has to turn to. It's just flat out wild. You've got way too many arms and not enough innings to give them. It's a great problem to have. Again, I expect this weekend to come down to five or six moments that will truly define it. But again, guys, I, I just really look at that Friday game. I think that Friday game, that that game is so important. It's more important for Clemson than it is South Carolina, in my opinion. Because, hey, if you're South Carolina and you lose Friday, I think you could still win Saturday, Sunday, and take the series. I really do. Hey, Greenville and then at home, I think you can certainly still win the series. But if you're Clemson and you lose Friday, I don't see any way you're going to rely on two true freshmen to go out there and beat this South on a team and beat this South Carolina lineup. Again, right now, I feel good about this Gamecocks baseball team. I think this series will have all the dramatics, all of the intensity, all the energy, everything we've known to grow and love. But guys, I think South Carolina does beat Clemson on Friday or Saturday or whenever they play due to weather. But I think the Gamecocks do win game one. I think Thomas Farr beats Davis Sharp. I think far outduels Sharp, and I think this South Carolina lineup is confident. You've got a ton of really, really great hitters who are big, strong dudes, who have power, who can beat you in many, many different ways. <clears throat> and I think South Carolina wins that game one, which propels them to get the series sweep over the Clemson Tigers. I do not see two freshmen faring very well against a lineup that, again, is hitting 359 with 14. Teen home runs. I don't see him doing very well. And again, if you're Clemson, if you do not win that Friday night game, you don't have a chance this weekend. And I don't think they do. I think Thomas Farr gets the best of this Clemson lineup. And the Gamecocks are scoring runs in bunches right now, led by Wes Clark. And I don't see that stopping. Give me the Gamecocks to sweep the Clemson Tigers this weekend to move to 7-0. and on this early season. So again, guys, like I said, I got the Gamecocks sweeping Clemson. Again, how great it would be, how glorious it would be, and how awesome the merch will be if that happens. But again, I, I feel really, really good about South on his chances this weekend. I, I really do. I'm very, very confident. Again, I know I've said that before. I maybe said that last year, but this is by far the best I've felt about a South Carolina baseball team during the Mark Kingston era. And, and it's not close. It's, it's not particularly close. So, feeling really good. Um, really excited for this weekend. Obviously, guys, like I told you, this is like my Super Bowl. I, I, I live for Carolina Clemson baseball. It, it is by far, like I said, the best rivalry in all of college baseball. And again, I think the Gamecocks sweep. I, I really do. And I feel confident saying that. I think at minimum, winning two of three. I, I really do. I, I just do not see how Clemson is going to hang with South Carolina when it comes to pitching depth. Because, again, if South Carolina can get to Davis Sharp, I, I I just don't know. I, I don't know what Clemson's answer will be. Again, you really going to put it on the backs of Olin, Chuck, and Grice to save you? Hey, so be it. And like I said, if you want to pitch around Wes Clark, hey, fine. We got other dudes that can take you yard. We got other dudes that can beat you. I just don't think Clemson pitching will have an answer for South Carolina hitters. And again, 
Yes, Clemson has lineup depth, but there's two matchups this weekend. South Carolina pitching against Clemson hitting and Clemson pitching against South Carolina hitting. And I think South Carolina is the favorite in both matchups. I like the matchup between the Gamecocks hitters over the Clemson pitchers, and I really, really like the Gamecocks pitching staff against this Clemson lineup. I, I just don't think Clemson will be able to do enough. And again, I got the Gamecocks getting the sweep this weekend. Get your brooms out, folks, because it's happening. South Carolina sweeping the Clemson Tigers this weekend. All right, let's move to the basketball side of things, guys. I'm going to be very quick, very brief, because I'll be totally honest with you. I was watching this game up until halftime, and I decided, you know what? I can either be up tonight until 10.30 or 11 recording the show and editing and all that stuff, or I can just go ahead at halftime right now while we're down by 15 and record the show. And you know what? That's what I'm doing right now. The game actually just ended. South Carolina losing to Mississippi State 69-48. to Gamecocks shooting 29% from the field, 19% from three. Mississippi State shooting 47% from the field, 33% from three-point range. A.J. Lawson with just 10 points in the game. Again, guys, I, I'm going to be very brief here. I, I, this team stinks. It's not very good. I, I, like I said, I, I picked South Carolina to lose by 21, and I – well, what do you know? <laughs> I hit it. They lost by 21. Who knew? Who knew? Basketball program's a joke. They've packed it in. They've quit. What more is there to say, guys? I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be someone who's going to ignore basketball and pretend like basketball's not happening and 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 be like that. But I'm also not going to sit here, guys, and talk your ear off and 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 fluff it up and try to tell you, oh, everything's okay, no big deal. You know, we're just figuring. You know, I still trust in Frank. Frank's the guy. Listen, I'm not saying fire Frank Martin or anything in the nature, but th this season's a nightmare. This season is a flat-out nightmare, and thank God there's only two regular season games left, and I, I think it's a damn travesty. We have to play in the SEC tournament. I really do. Like, I wish we could just opt out of the tournament. But thankfully, thankfully, guys, this season will very, very soon come to an end. Very soon. And we will not have to watch this disgrace of a basketball program take the floor anymore this season. So, again... That's all I got to say. Hey, you lose by 21. What more is there to say? What more is there to talk about? You lose by 21. Mississippi State had their way with you. From what I watched of it, guys, they toyed with you. They toyed with you. This team has quit. This team has quit. This team has embraced the season is a wash mentality, and now you see what we get from that. So, hey, great. The worst thing that could have happened to Gamecocks basketball was that embracing of, oh, season's a wash, COVID, excuse, 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 and now you see it coming to fruition, losing by 21 points. It is what it is. Oh, well, so be it. All right, let's move into news and notes. Um, but, guys, I want to let you guys know, we're doing an Instagram giveaway with Soda City Thrifts at Soda City Thrifts on Instagram. Um, we are giving away, and I've got it sitting right next to me, We've got a framed T-shirt, a 2010 Gamecocks Baseball National Championship T-shirt. But not just that, guys. This shirt is signed by Ray Tanner, Matt Price, Jackie Bradley Jr., amongst a host of others. Guys, it's very simple. We put the post, the video, on Instagram yesterday. Go like the post. You got to follow Soda City Thrifts on IG, at Soda City Thrifts, and then tag three friends. We'll have the drawing next Wednesday at 5 o'clock again. A really, really cool piece. A really cool piece for any Gamecock fan, and certainly 
any big-time Gamecock baseball fan, this is a must-have. Uh, also, one of the quick note, Wes Clark named National Player of the Week by D1Baseball.com. The Reaper of Souls continues to rake in the national recognition, which, I mean, he obviously deserves it. The, dude, the dude's probably going to be Player of the Week again next week. He could hit 300 this weekend and hit maybe just one home run, and he's still going to get it. That's the crazy part. So, West Clark, Reaper of Souls, keep doing your damn thing, young man. So, excuse me, guys. All right, let's get into our listener questions. H underscore Thomason, can we convert our offense to compete against a ranked opponent from home runs to hits? And H. Thomason, that's a great question. I will say first things first, though, Clemson is not ranked, so let's not give them the credit they don't deserve. But uh, basically you're asking, can we convert from going to hitting nothing but home runs to converting that to hits against a you know the bump up in competition? Well, here's my response to that H underscore Thomason. This team, see, the thing I love most about this team is I don't think it's like we're picking on bad pitching or non-conference pitching and we're trying to drop and drive and hit a bunch of home runs and lift the baseball. I see a bunch of guys with really good approaches that are driving the baseball. They just happen to be strong guys, really talented hitters, and they're driving the baseball out of the park. I, listen, hitting home runs is not a negative. That is nothing but a positive. When it becomes a negative is when the mindset goes from, all right, gap to gap, drive the baseball to, I'm going to try to lift the ball and help it out and, and, and get under the ball, you know, get under the ball. I want to, I want to launch it out of here. We got to hit a home run, got to hit a home run. I'm not seeing that from this team. And again, I hope the approach stays the exact same that has been through the first four games. The, the approaches to me are beautiful. I, I think the approaches are great. I don't think the swings are too long. Again, I don't see guys, you know, we say coming out of their shoes. Like, I think our guys are taking hacks, don't get me wrong, but, like, I don't think they're just, uh, you know, erratic hacks, if you I, – I don't think these guys are just coming out of their shoes with, with no regard to the situation or the count or anything like that. Like, I think we have a lineup that is a bunch of quality hitters but that have power. And, again, that's the best spot to be in. I mean, Wes Clark, to me, is not, like – you know, dropping and like, it doesn't look like to me like, oh, he's up there with one mission to hit a home run. This dude just has a nice short, quick swing. He's getting to the baseball. He's catching barrel. And that damn thing is flying out. I mean, the, the, the approach is good. The approach is really good. So again, I would not change the approach at all. But to answer your question, yes, I think it will transition beautifully into this weekend. I have no worries about that at all. Uh, Austin G underscore 45, Wes Clark for president. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, Sam Wise Hogan, do you think Clemson should be a ranked team? Uh, no, not right now. I don't. Um, you know, they lost a lot on the mound, like I said. And the lineup, I think, while it's deep, I think it's it's okay. I don't think you have the big boppers like South Carolina has. So, no, I, I don't think Clemson should be a ranked team right now. Absolutely not. Um, and then we got one final listener question. Jay Hall 627, actually a Clemson fan chiming in. He said, see you at the park Friday and Saturday, question mark. And what if it rains? What happens? I'll answer the second question first. If it rains, like I said, I think it's very likely you could see Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Again, I think they'll try their damnedest to get that game in on Friday. But, I mean, if it's 90% chance, it's 90% chance. So, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think could be a possibility. And you asked, will you see me at the park this weekend? Um most likely, I will not be at the Clemson game. Um, just getting tickets to that one is is way too tough. And then Greenville for me right now, man, honestly, 
50-50 up in the air. If anybody knows anybody selling tickets for a reasonable price, because listen, I'm not paying $150 to go. Like, I'm sorry, as bad as I want to go. I've already got tickets for Sunday. i um, got tickets to the Columbia game. But if anybody has Greenville tickets for sale, I'd love to take them off of you for a reasonable price. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, small business budget over here, man. We, we can't buy $150 tickets. That's a little bit of serve. Anyways, um, appreciate the listener questions, guys. This has been a lot of fun. This has been great. Like I said, I, I was obviously fired up for the show. And again, this is, this is like the Super Bowl for me when it comes to college baseball and South Carolina baseball and the rivalry series, the best rivalry in all of college baseball to me, hands down. I will tell you guys this, just a quick reminder. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as it's scheduled right now, we will have live pregame and postgame shows for Carolina Clemson baseball. Friday and Saturday going live 3 to 3.30. Sunday, 12 to 12.30. And again, that is all pending, depending on these games, if there's delays, if, if the games get moved back, whatever. But as of right now, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, I will be going live 3 o'clock Friday, Saturday, noon on Sunday, and postgame live for all three games. Guys, again, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We've got a great conversation talking about the Carolina Clemson rivalry, the back-to-back national titles, and his fantastic career, guys. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in on this Thursday. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks lifting the pitcher and two-time national champion, Michael Roth. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2009 to 2012. Of course, he's a two-time national champion in 2010 and 2011, also appeared in the national championship game in 2012. His collegiate stats, folks, they speak for themselves, 26-6 and overall record, a 1.91 ERA and 354 innings pitched. He also recorded 268 strikeouts in college. He was also drafted in the ninth round of the 2012 MLB draft by the Los Angeles Angels. He also played for Cleveland, Texas, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, and the Chicago Cubs before retiring in 2018. Folks, the stats do not speak for the impact he had on Gamecock baseball. Very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks left-handed pitcher and college World Series champion, Michael Roth. Michael, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to chat with you once again. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I need you to write my bio for, <laughs> for some things, I guess. Yeah. Dude, hey, here's the thing. You're, you're, career there's a lot of stats I left out okay there's a lot of specific things I left out and I also left this out the reason we're chatting it is the week of the Carolina Clemson rivalry series obviously the greatest rivalry in all of college baseball you also went undefeated in your appearances against Clemson I might add and we want to dive into those but first things first talk about Michael I know we've talked about this and people may forget we talked way way back in January of 2018 which I really want to thank you because I think you were probably the first big interview we ever had on the airwaves. So I truly do appreciate and again, appreciate you taking the time today. But talk about your recruitment to South Carolina and how Clemson factored in. Because correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember. Were you, I think you were either in the middle or you were kind of a Clemson guy growing up, Craig, or am I wrong there? Just just talk about that. Because I remember specifically you talking about Clemson did play a factor and then obviously your relationship uh, with Tanner. And it's funny, I was going back listening, you know, the plan for you was to replace Justin Smoke, who played first base. And it's kind of funny how it all worked out, obviously, with, with you on the bump, but you being a two-way guy, just kind of talk about how that all came to fruition and how you ended up in Columbia. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm born and raised in Greenville, South Carolina. I live here now. I wouldn't say that I was a Clemson guy. Well, I was born here, but my mom's from England. My dad's from New York. So I wasn't like a, I I didn't, I wasn't born to an allegiance. Um, My sister did go to Clemson and she's eight years older than me. Mm -hmm. 
there's there might be some photos of me in a Clemson shirt when I was younger. But um, I, I would say I never really had any leaning. Now, when I got recruited, South Carolina was the first group that offered me. Um, I was on campus playing in a tournament. Coach Tanner shoved me around. Uh, he shoved me to the horseshoe and said that'd be where I'd had I would have my classes. I know that I knew that he was full of full of it after that, um, <laughs> but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> but um, I, and then you know I went on into my junior year. That's when you can start getting like open recruitment, and that's when Clemson talked to me. So I met with them and. Um, quite frankly, I just, I didn't like, I didn't like Leggett. We didn't, I didn't have a great, like, I didn't get that feeling that that was home. And then I think it was the week after I went to, um, I went to Carolina on another, on a visit. I think it was like unofficial or something. And it just felt like, it felt like home, it felt like the place to be. And it felt like the place to be such that I committed right away or, I committed the week before the Clemson Carolina football game and I had Clemson was giving me tickets to go to Clemson Carolina football game. So I even committed and called Clemson up the week before and said, Hey, I'm committing. Um, so I'm assuming you don't want to give me tickets anymore. So I had to forego my tickets. So, I mean, I, you know, I took a big commitment there, I think right away at the gate. So I was all in. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Uh, I, I think it's funny, though, you say uh, with the Jack Leggett thing, it's not really shocking to me that a, a loosey-goosey Michael Roth and a stern military-style Jack Leggett maybe wouldn't have been the best marriage. I, I don't think that surprises any of us in, in that regard. But I, I want to ask you again, Michael, you get on campus again. It's funny because people forget you were a first baseman. You hit bombs. I mean, give credit where credit's due. You hit bombs there for a little bit. And, of course, a lefty specialist out of the pen. And I think your first year on campus, 2009, you guys are able to take down Clemson. I remember D'Angelo Mack with the with the walk-off. And you kind of got, got your feet wet in the series. And then 2010, of course, we'll jump to. But what, what were your first overall thoughts? Like you said, you really weren't born into an allegiance, so maybe you didn't have – this great idea understanding just how big the rivalry series was. And again, at that point, when you got on campus, I mean, it still is to this day, but I mean, I remember those matchups at that time. I and mean, it felt like it was like one verse two or three verse four every single year. I mean, the stakes were extremely high. Both programs are doing extremely well. Uh, what was your, I guess your first taste or first impression of the rivalry as an actual player? Yeah. You know, that was in 2009, this 2009 season, we were still playing the uh, midweek games. Yeah. We were still playing for midweek games. So we weren't doing the the um, Friday, Saturday, like home and away neutral, neutral game yet. So I, I still remember um, in 2009, my, one of my appearances was against Clemson. It was early. It was cold. And it was a night game at Carolina. Um, and I actually got booed by the Carolina fans because of my first appearance against Clemson. I think it was my first, but it was really my, my first really interaction that I remember with Clemson. And a lot of it had to do with, I came in, let's see, they wanted me to get hot super quick. Mm. I've never really been good at that, especially when it's cold. That's really hard to do. I ended up coming in. I came in with apparently men on first and second. I did not realize that there was a man on second um, and I walked the guy on first four straight pitches. Mm. And then apparently, then I realized that it was bases loaded, walked the next guy on four straight pitches. And I was facing Kyle Parker with two outs and he flied out. Um, 
anyway, so obviously eight balls in a row, yeah. Carolina fans weren't happy. Went three, two to Kyle Parker and he flied out to like deep left. And I came into the dugout, coach Tanner was yelling at me. Fans were booing. Cause I think it either tied the game or something happened. Um, and then I went out there and I threw a good inning and got back out. I think got out of it, but uh, that was my first interaction with Carolina Clemson game. And I've always been the type of competitor where if you're against me, like I kind of hate you no matter what. So it didn't make it hard to, to get involved in that with the Clemson Carolina series. And um, so I, I, it was easy to adopt that attitude. How things can change. You go from being booed at your home stadium to, you know, the mentality and thoughts of you now, which of course, because of in 2010, before we get to the college world series, which of course, you know, you burst on the scene in that game. We all know the complete game. I want to talk first about the series earlier that year. Cause Michael, I think it's funny, you know, people think of 2010, the national championship beating Clemson and Omaha twice, all the fuzzy feelings, but people forget how that season started losing two of three to ECU who knocked you out in the postseason the previous year, losing two of three, to Clemson, and, and I've had funny conversations with some of your former teammates, Ethan Carter most specifically, tell me about the the Sunday, I guess, white hats, and you guys get like 19 runs, and it was the last you ever saw of those white hats. Like, people forget how rocky it started, I guess. Like, what was the <clears throat> what was the overall thoughts after that series, again, losing two out of three, and were you surprised the guys – or the run you guys went on leading all the way up uh, to Omaha? Yeah, that 2010 was a tough year to start, you know, whoever we opened up with. And I think we won three or something. And then, and then we go to ECU, which we went back to ECU kind of with a chip on our shoulder because mm. we left. You know, we ended our season against ECU in 2009 um, on a game that we probably felt like we should have won. And we're going back there with pretty much a new team. And we um, – you know, we lose, and we lose games that we probably felt like we should have won. I know Coach Tanner felt like we should have won. And, you know, we get back after, I don't know how long that bus ride is, maybe four or five <laughs> hours. And then we get in the duck and get in the clubhouse, and he, Coach Tanner, literally went, like, one by one, yelling at everybody at what they did. Uh, and each person, you know, some of it was baseball-related, some of it was not. Like, <laughs> And – Clemson series, same thing. I think we went to Clemson and I think I actually gave up a run and maybe maybe blew the lead or something. Right. Um, at Clemson, we ended up losing on like a bleeder. You know, I gave up like a bleeder through the, the six hole. Um, yeah, but we lost a tough game at Clemson. And then we go to Greenville and I think we, we squeaked out a win and then we came back to Columbia and got the – break speed off of us and I had thrown Friday and Saturday so I knew I was out mm. on Sunday and it was bad I mean it was bad to the point where I remember we played Valparaiso the next weekend mm. and I think we had a midweek game and we played Valpo and there was like nobody in the stands mm. and quite frankly I don't blame the fans I mean we were pissed you know when you get beat I think it was 18 to 6 maybe yeah. by your by your rival at home that's never good and and yeah I mean they just they smoked us and I, but I think those series were were instrumental in the team that we had I think the way that facing that adversity early on really crafted 
crafted the team that we ended up having at that year, you know, and how we grew as a team facing that adversity. The also that not the message, but the aura that we ended up taking on in a sense where it was kind of like us, we knew it was just us. Mm. Um, and, and you always know, like, I don't blame fans. I'm a fan now, but fans we always talk about are with you win or tie. Um, and you know, when you lose fans are the first ones to criticize and uh, players are probably the, well, players might be the first ones to criticize, but fans are right there with them. And so I think that helped us come together as a team and really grow into the group that we, we obviously became and went on to, you know, win the national championship and, and go on and, and really just put together a really good season. Yeah. And obviously you guys turn it around. I want to jump ahead again to Omaha, Michael, because of course that's kind of where, you know, your career really took off. You could say, I mean, you guys get there and I remember specifically talking to you last time, how you guys lose that first game to Oklahoma. And of course the rain delay and how crazy it was. And I remember you saying you were sitting there thinking to yourself, well, at least we got here. That was a nice run. But uh, lose that one, bounce back against Arizona State, obviously the Oklahoma game with JBJ. And then I-, I want you to tell fans the story about how you found out you were even starting the Clemson game. Because I remember the last time you told me that it was something that you didn't even know until like a few hours before first pitch. And you said that your mom ended up texting you like, hey, good luck today. And you're like, what do you mean? What's different about today than any other day? And you yeah. ended up basically like through social media, like the very early days of Twitter and social media and all that. Just again, I think people will be very surprised to find that out that it's like one of those things that you kind of thought Calvi and Tanner were like half joking in the sense of like, hey, you, you ready to start tomorrow? You're like, yeah, sure, coach, whatever. And uh, you end up getting the ball and spinning a gym and the rest is history. But just kind of talk about the events that led into that. Yeah. Um, first off, I would preface it to say I think males are just in general really bad at communicating. <laughs> and um, Fair enough. You know, and we're also bad at listening. So uh, I would put that on my fault as well. But, um, yeah, after the, after the Oklahoma game, um, Coach Holbrook, like after we won, he like, came out to me and was like, yeah, nice work. You know, and I'd pitch that game. I think I feel like an inning and a third or something. He was like, hey, man, be ready to throw tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I was the lefty specialist that year. I think I had 37. I think going into that, I had maybe 35 appearances hmm. or something. You know, and I think we only played – we ended up playing like – you know, you play 56 in a regular season, and then we played, what, I don't know, 10 more games or something. Hmm. So, I pitched a lot. Um, and then we're celebrating, we get onto the bus and someone else said to me, Hey, can you throw tomorrow? Like one of the coaches. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And, um, so then we're sitting, Adam and I are sitting in our room and we're watching a movie and, or, or something. Um, and Calvi and coach Tanner walk in and they're like, Hey, are you good to throw tomorrow? Like, are you going to start? And I was like, yeah, sure. But like, look at this movie, you know? Um, and, and Coach Aaron was like, well, you know, we may, we may start, should we haven't made a decision yet? Or like, if, if you're good to go, then like, let us know. I was like, yeah, I'm good to go. Like, just look at the, look at the TV though. Um, and so I get up and I'm like, we had mandatory breakfast and we were at the embassy suites, which was a good mandatory breakfast. So Jay Brown specifically asked me, he was like, are you starting today? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, 
and I, I don't, I, at least I felt like I hadn't been definitively told that I was starting. And I think, I don't even know if that was Twitter days or what, but um, something ended up happening where my mom shot me a text and she was like, congratulations. She was like, good luck tonight. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know? Um, and she was, she just sent me like a, I think it was a link mm-hmm. to like a Greenville news um, report or something that said that I was going to be the starting pitcher. Right. And so that's how I, that's how I felt like I was told that I was starting that game. And coach Shannon may have a different story, but um, that, that's when I felt like I knew that I was actually starting that game. But I, I will say when coach Shannon and Calvi came in and asked me if I was good to start, I was like, I'm good to start, but I would still want to take BP and I don't want to change my throwing partner who was Parker Bangs at the time. I was like, so as long as we can agree on those things, then I'll be glad to start. Um, but again, I still didn't feel like it was a definitive answer at that point. Right. I'm curious, Michael, again, you, so you find out you're starting. Um, and again, you're starting against the Clemson Tigers who had taken two out of three from you. You know, it's win or go home. You have to beat them twice. But again, we all know what happens. You go a complete game, three hit, uh, gave up one earned run, but three hits, one walk, four strikeouts. You threw 108 pitches. And obviously everybody expected you to go, what, maybe two, three innings. And at some point, like, all right, let's just get one more. All right, now let's just get one more. And eventually, you know, you throw a complete game. In the bullpen, did you kind of feel like like you were going to have that type of night? Because obviously I remember at that point, you know, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but you were a guy that threw from the three-quarter and you dropped down for the lefties, and that was obviously a huge part of your game, huge part of your arsenal throughout your career. But, like, did you ever – did you feel in pregame, like, hey, I've really got it tonight, like I, I could go a complete game? Like, what was your what was your thought process? Or were you really just like, hey, I'm going to take this literally inning by inning and see what happens, and all of a sudden you found yourself in the ninth throwing a gym? It's hard to think back to that, but I would say typically in my – entire baseball career if I threw really well in the pen I probably was going to pitch like shit in the game (laughs) um and so I would we'd have to ask Calvi and um Anders how I actually threw in the bullpen because I don't really remember um were there any nerves for you I'd say that like were there any nerves were you like were you hyping it up in your own mind like oh my god it's Clemson like this is a must win or was it just like hey just I'm just getting the start and it's just any other outing no, I mean, there's definitely nerves. I think for me, when I always played, whether it was, you know, my junior year making a start against Clemson or even my senior year, you know, as an established Friday night guy, I, I still had nerves. And that nerves to me are good. It, mm. it signifies that you care. It signifies that you got, um, you're invested, um, and so I, I always had nerves and I had the excitement of going out there to play. And so there was definitely, there was definitely that. I wouldn't say that I took on the weight of man, like this is a must win game. Mm-hmm. You know, if we lose, we're out of there. I, I can't remember any of those thoughts crossing through my mind. I just really remember Adrian Morales yelling at me for taking BP um, before the game. <laughs> and I mean, I, I do remember Coach Tanner joking, you know, we got in, I was heading down to the bus at the at the hotel and Coach Tanner was, Coach Tanner was in the elevator when I was getting on there. And he was like, how's your arm feel? Like, what do you got tonight? How many can you go? 
And I was like, I don't know. I'll just throw it to my arm falls off. And he's like, so what is that? One, one inning. And I was like, yeah, you're probably, <laughs> probably. Um, and so I, I do remember that, you know, once I got to like, I felt like I could throw three innings. I wouldn't say that was like my goal, but I knew that that was like a good, a good number that I could uh, realistically achieve. Right. And then I got through the fifth and I just remember being like, okay, let me just get the one more. Like, let me just, let me try to do one more. And then it was probably some shortly after that, maybe even the six that I was like, holy shit, I'm tired. Like, you know, burping up Gatorade. Cause it was a mm. human night. Um, and nobody wanted to talk to me in the dugout because I was pitching and um, I think they thought they were going to screw me up, but yeah, I just, I just remember, I, I don't remember the weight of that moment, you know, or feeling the weight of that moment, mm-hmm. but I mean, there were definitely were nerves. For sure. And obviously again, it lives in, in Gamecock history forever. Cause you get that win. you guys beat Clemson yet again and win the college world series in 2010. Again, we're focusing on the Carolina Clemson rivalry, Michael. So I want to, Moved to the 2011 series, and I actually forgot about this. That first game, because um, I'm pretty sure it was the first game you started, that game was played in Charleston. I, I forgot you guys played that game at Joe Riley Park, and uh, you started that one, went seven and a third, four hits, gave up an earned run, two walks, seven Ks, 102 pitches, kind of similar to the 2010 outing. And again, you had guys like Forrest Kumis, Tyler Webb, Ethan Carter, Nolan Belcher come in, and you guys get – the three to two win really, really close game. You guys scored actually an extra innings, two runs in the top of the 11th. Uh, just talk about that game again, pitching in Charleston. What you remember specifically from that one? Um, I remember getting bald on a super tight call from the umpire. And I still remember the umpire's name. And I probably called him a name that I shouldn't have. And um, luckily he didn't throw me out. <laughs> But I, that's what I remember from, from that game. Like I, I was fired up that game, and I think we, we played a good game. It was tight, but I just remember there was one moment there where there was like a big pitch, and he balled me on it. The next pitch was like a, a hit that cost – I think it cost me the run, actually, and it fired me up, mm-hmm. and then I got pulled, um, which was probably good. I mean, whenever I was overexcited – like that that was not that wasn't good for me to throw like that I was never effective at that point um but that's really all I remember from, from that from that yeah, game and again most importantly you guys get the win Michael switching gears just a little bit because I want to ask you we were just talking about Omaha and again you guys went back to back 10 and 11 went back in 12 which it's so funny I feel like that 12 team is like disrespected or underappreciated because you guys didn't win the whole thing it's like oh yeah by the way went all the way to the final but you know, I'll ask you, I'm sure it's kind of tough to pinpoint for you because you're just out there kind of doing your job, you know, you're not really thinking about it. But when you look back, is there anything specifically that you feel like you elevated your game when you were in Omaha specifically? Because your numbers in Omaha I don't think will ever be touched. I mean, I think you're the only pitcher to ever make eight or nine appearances. I mean, it's crazy. And again, when you go three years in a row, that's going to happen. But you know, your numbers in Omaha jump off the page. Was there anything specifically that you can point to? Do you feel like you elevated your game? Or was it just as simple as sticking to what you knew and you had great defense and hitters around you and great teams around you and you just kind of did your job and were the beneficiary of that? I mean, what, what would you credit that to? 
Yeah, I think it would really just be the team that we had. I think when we went to Omaha, I wouldn't even say that we elevated our game. I think mm. the the mindset that we had and adopted um, carried into Omaha, and we were a really good tournament team, except the SEC tournament. Um, but, you know, we knew that – we knew how to handle adversity and we knew that we had this kind of attitude of us versus them. And then was everybody else not in the dugout. Um, and sometimes even them was like the coaching staff. Um, and so I think that was, I think that just helped us come together and be a really good team. And when the pressure got notched up a little bit, you rarely saw those those turn into errors on our part right. or, or uh, mental mistakes or um, issues that we could have had corrected. You know, we typically played near flawless defense when we were out there and we pitched really well. Mm. And then we got the hits when like we needed them. And I think just that mindset of the team allowed everybody to, to perform outstanding you know, when we would go to Omaha and, and just be, you know, guys would have really good individual performances. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. But I think there was a number of guys that were able to do that because of the team that we had. For sure. And of course you guys go back to back. I want to move Michael to that 2012 game. Cause again, you, you get Clemson on Friday night in Columbia and the stat line's actually interesting. This one, again, you went seven innings, seven hits, but you gave up three runs and zero of them were earned, which I think is really interesting. Uh, three walks, six strikeouts through 105 pitches. You guys win the game 6-3, ho-hum. But I, I want to go to a specific moment that is I always love watching on YouTube, which is the pickoff. And I forget who it was for Clemson, but he gets in a rundown, long story short, and you go to tag him, and there's a little bit of a forearm shiver there. And I think you took a little bit of exception to it. Um, can you recall like the words that were exchanged? I feel like you kind of held back, but you could certainly tell you, you were pissed off. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, I, I would say like, I am still like this today where I probably hate losing more than I like winning. And so like people on the other teams, I kind of just like, I start to hate them. Um, and I felt like whoever that was slid into me and like tried to, I don't know, not, you know, like either throw an elbow or like something at me. And I just wanted to let them know that that was not okay. I don't necessarily remember <laughs> what, what exactly was said. Um, but I'm sure, you know, there it wasn't PG rated right. and Again, like the the emotions are so elevated at that time that you're you're fired up, you're you're pitching with a lot of emotion, and things like that can just kind of spiral. Thankfully, nothing happened. You know, there was nothing like super major that you know we didn't we didn't break into like a, a Carolina Clemson football brawl or anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do remember that moment <laughs> and. Um, I was not happy, but I'm sure I felt like there wasn't, it wasn't a good slide in. And I mean, I'm, it felt like he was trying to do something and I just told him I didn't like it. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. 
It's funny, Michael, because you know in the game of baseball, like you you face certain guys enough, whether you're a pitcher or a hitter or whatever, and you have success against those guys, and and you, you start to build a lot of confidence, right? I and mean, we see that in the majors. We see that at every level where it's like, you know, you'll have a ton of success against a certain pitcher or you against a certain hitter, and, you know, you just kind of feel like you – you own them to to an extent, for for lack of a better way of putting it. And with the success you had against Clemson, like I, I'll ask you, did it get to a point again? You were a guy you played with a ton of confidence, obviously, and I, I'm sure for you it it was a nameless, faceless opponent. All that coach speak. But at the end of the day, both sides understand the importance to fans, just the overall rivalry, what it means. I mean, but with the success you had, like people look at you as the Tiger Killer, like you owned Clemson. Like, was there a moment for you in your own head where like? Going into that game, for example, you knew I'm getting the ball Friday. I'm going to shove because I own Clemson. Like, I just – I'm successful against Clemson. Like, it's not a sense of, like, overconfidence, but it's more like you understand that quiet confidence, like knowing you've had a ton of success against those guys. Like, did that ever click for you where you're like, oh, it's Clemson, no big deal. I'm about to, I'm about to do my thing, and we're going to get the W, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was necessarily, like, specifically Clemson. I feel like that was – that was kind of my thought for a lot of teams right. was like, Hey, we're good enough. I think we thought we were good enough. Our team thought right. we, um, we were good enough to play anybody and beat anybody. Um, we may not have, you know, kind of put that out there. We kind of always, you know, we definitely did say, Hey, you know, these guys were a lot better than us on paper. We used to kind of, play like the the joes mm. you know i think back to the dodgeball reference of the pros versus joes right and we kind of played that up a little bit that we were like the underdog even after we won the national championship um and i think but again internally we all felt like we were capable and i feel like that's as a competitor i think that's super important to feel that you don't necessarily need to to broadcast that but you have to believe that and if you don't believe it then then there's i think that impacts your play and so i will say specifically as it relates to clemson we we did enjoy playing them because we did feel like we had we felt like they had this mental block against mm -hmm. us and because we beat them twice and then we go back in 2011 and we we played them handily like we were on a roll and we mm -hmm. felt like that you know that that we were untouchable it wasn't necessarily because of anything that they were doing it was more because of what we were doing as a team and so we definitely were you know excited to play them play anybody for that matter but excited to to go in there and, and compete against those guys and you know kind of let us do our thing mm. I, I want to backtrack Michael because again you mentioned 2011 I forgot you were a part of this moment as well but in 2011 the uh the the bat heating scandal if you quote unquote scandal if you will <laughs> with Jack Leggett complaining about the bats and I think what they picked up Jackie's bat and, and thought it was in I was actually talking to Brian Harper about this a couple of days ago your former teammate that talking about they thought the bats were heated and all that and obviously Ray Tan I remember specifically his press conference after the Greenville game and he took a lot of exception to him he was pissed off and I'm just curious what do you remember from that what what 
what, if anything, do you remember that was said behind closed doors? Because, again, I'm sure – I know Coach Tanner, you know, to the press expressed his distaste for that. I can't even imagine behind closed doors when somebody's calling out your integrity and your character and saying you're trying to cheat to win. I mean, and it's a rivalry too. I, I just – I can't imagine there were very nice things said behind closed doors about that situation. Yeah, that, that was pretty contentious. Um <laughs> You know, I think that was specifically that was when we were at Clemson. Yeah. That, yeah. That, 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 um, um, uh, and I can't remember. Yeah, I. I mean, I remember it all happening. Right. Right. But I can't again necessarily remember everything around it. I remember Coach Tanner addressed the team about it, sets up the media, and we were all pissed. I think there was maybe. I think that may have been like. I don't know if that was the same time as they said something about one of the pitchers too. One of our pitchers. I think it was. I and think how was. how they acted and, and kind of so I think they they gave a good amount of bullet board bulletin board material, which you just you should always try to avoid doing that. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Um, Michael, this has been great, man. I don't want to take up too much of your time. This has been awesome. But uh, I'll ask you: out of all the Clemson games you pitched in. Uh, that you were because you pitched in some other ones too. I remember specifically you came in one, I think it was 2011. You actually came in, if I remember correctly, Greenville in a relief appearance. Um, yeah, because we got banged on a game and I came in yeah. relief in Greenville. Yeah, yes, I remember that vividly because everybody was freaking out because what happened in 2010 and all that good stuff. And was is there one of those games, the Carolina Clemson games, that stands out to you? Like when you think on the rival, you think of this game. Like, is there one for you? I mean, obviously, maybe 2010 with that game, I think that's the one that you know, obviously had the most on the line, but is there one for you that's most memorable in the rivalry series? Um, yeah, I would say if you take 2010 out of the equation, the the next one would be probably the – is it regional game in 2012? Yes, 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 the regional and game. And that's when, yeah. like, we hit a home run, they hit a home run, like we mm. kept – we hit a home run, they hit a home run or something. Um yeah, Brad Felder hit a home run, and then we ended up walking off or something along those lines. I don't remember. It was a disaster of a game. We didn't play our best, but we ended up winning. And I think that was probably the craziest Clemson game. And I was more just, you know, I was just basically a fan because I was right. on the- that. Was the, that was the Danzler walk-off, right? I think that might have been, yeah. yeah. I forget. I mean yeah. – I think that was the – Yeah, LB I think Danzler that – I just remember – Price came in and and he pitched really well, but kind of got extended. And then um, Felder ran into one, mm. and I think that may have tied it up. And then I think we hit. I think yeah, it may have been LB that knocked one out and kind of walked us off to to move us along. But I, I remember that was a crazy, crazy game. Mm. For sure. Well, Michael, like I said, it's been a pleasure. Last thing, I'm going to put you on the spot here again. Obviously, fans are tuned in. We're just. Literally tomorrow, the series is starting. Carolina-Clemson, first game in Clemson, second one in Greenville, and then Sunday, of course, in Columbia. Do you, do you have a message for the fan base, maybe a little little hype up ahead of the uh, the best rivalry in college baseball? It's unfortunate that, you know, we can't pack it out at um, – It is. At it's going to be Park. weird. It's going to be very weird with the, the restrictions. But, hey, we at least we get the series, I guess. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I, I would say just um, – you know, I'm excited to watch them play. I think Carolina's got a lot of guys this year that have a ton of talent. Um, and really just, you know, 
tune in, watch the game, cheer them on, you know, talk some crap to Monty Lee. If you're going to be there, <laughs> make sure you talk, talk some shit to Monty, um, and give them a hard time. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, that should be, it should be a fun series to watch. Absolutely. Well, Michael, appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, this is a pleasure. It's been a uh, three years, uh, three years too long, I guess you could say three years in the making, but, uh, seriously, man, always a pleasure to chat with you. I know I speak for all Gamecock nation when I say, obviously it was awesome to watch you do what you did in Garnet and black. Glad to see you doing well, by the way, in Greenville. I know you're back in your, uh, your home city. So glad to see you doing well. And, uh, no, let's do it again. Definitely sometime soon. Yeah, man. Hey, I want to plug something. I will yeah, say I'm raising money for the leukemia and lymphoma society. Um, I will drop, there will drop a link on my Twitter and my Instagram. Um, anything you can donate, that'd be great. Um, maybe we should do something where like for every home run that the Gamecocks hit. I'm know. down. I, let's, let's collab on it. Seriously. I'd love to do that. I didn't know you were doing that. Every though. home run of the game, Gamecocks hit this weekend, I'll donate, let's say 50 bucks. Yeah. I don't know. And I, and and I'll, I'll, match, I'll match you. We'll do that. How about that? Okay. Perfect. Good deal. I hope Wes hits, I hope Wes Park hits a home run. <laughs> what four yeah he's on i mean he's on pace at like 80 this year so (laughs) i mean he's got six through four games so i mean you know that dude as a freaking i've never seen anything like it this dude is seeing a beach ball right now so love to see it hopefully he continues this weekend but yeah definitely uh we'll drop the link and we'll promote that retweet it and stuff like that and share it whatever but uh let's definitely do that for sure if you guys are listening be sure to donate like i said we'll drop the details on uh on social media but good stuff michael good stuff Great. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. He's Michael Roth. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.